Earth's Matt, the mad scientist here, and I'm here to tell you our two-year anniversary issue of Orange Phoenix magazine is out right now. I'll repeat, the two-year anniversary edition of Orange Phoenix magazine is out right now featuring Animazement. The Orange Phoenix staff visited Animazement in Raleigh, North Carolina, and is featured in our two-year anniversary edition. And there's not one, but there's two options to actually get this magazine. The first option, all you have to do is go to www.patreon.com forward slash Orange Phoenix. And for only $5 a month, you are guaranteed an issue every single month. For only $5 a month, that's it. Now, if you don't want to do that option, there is option two. If you go to www.orangephoenixmedia.com and click on magazine, you can get a single issue for $7.99. Just a single issue. You got two options. There's no other excuses for you not to have this magazine. There's no other excuse for you not to subscribe to this magazine. www.patreon.com forward slash Orange Phoenix and www.orangephoenixmedia.com. Com. Go ahead, check it out. Give it a read. Previously on X-Men. told you guys we had two very very special guests on the show today they are very good friends of the show actually this is not the first time this is actually the third time they're actually on the show and uh i know there was some news coming out about x-men 97 the continuation of x-men the animated series and i'm like you know what let me hit these two individuals up these two good friends and i'm gonna go through the list because i got to give them a proper introduction now this is Eric and Julia Leewall. Starting with Eric Leewall, you know, he has history with Young Hercules, Mummies Alive, Gargoyles, The Goliath Chronicles, Beetlejuice, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and most notably X-Men, the animated series, along with his wife, Julia Leewall, who had some history with Avengers United They Stand, Robocop Alpha Commando, Goof Troop, Tailspin, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and one of my personal favorites, a hidden gem, Skeleton Warriors, along with X-Men animated series. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you guys Eric and Julia Leewall. How you guys doing this morning? Y'all still there, Julia? Uh-oh, I think they on, I think they are on mute. Okay, we see they got some. They may be having some technical difficulties on this side. 
But yes, we have Eric and Julie Lee Wall on the show today, and they are here to answer some of you guys' questions in regards to X. Well, most of you guys' questions about X Men the animated series, and just a little bit of X Men '97. Just a little bit. But uh, hopefully we can get them back on. I think maybe we had a technical difficulty. Uh, Eric and Julia, are you there? I think maybe they uh, maybe they might be on mute there, having little technical difficulties on their end. But we definitely have them on the show. But yes, they, this is their uh, third time on the show. And what better way to actually have them than especially with the rumors of x-men 97 and of course can't confirm or deny anything about captain you know captain marvel miss marvel because i know y'all seen the end credit scenes with the switch out and everything else so but yes we'll be back i'm gonna make sure they can they are able to get on so we'll be hello back. oh whoa, whoa whoa there they go hello, hello. can you hear us now can yes, you hear us now all right there we go didn't do anything, but we but here you but you got us on. Hello, hi there. Hello. How are you today, Julia? Enjoying a pretty morning here in Southern California, I guess. <laughs> yeah. A little earlier than you guys out there. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. You know, California is a very nice place year round. Won't argue that. <laughs> so um I know you I know I run off a list of works that you guys have done and uh Exo Squad being one of them and Skeleton Warriors. Um how did those other projects come about? Cuz I know we're going to jump into X-Men animated series, but how did those other projects came about? Well, uh, both the ones you mentioned uh Ursula, were because uh, came off of X-Men because because uh-huh. people like what we did on that and uh Skeleton Wars is one Julia got from CBS. They they liked it, and uh, you know each year uh, the networks used to pick half a dozen new shows, and that's why they picked them. And the people that produced uh, X Men, uh, Graz Entertainment, uh, were the, the production company they picked. And when they picked them, they picked Julia as the showrunner. Yeah. Wow! So that was that was how she got that. Extra Squad, I got that because. We just finished writing the first season of X-Men, and it sounds weird now, but as soon as we wrote that for those first 13 episodes, all the writers and artists were let go because they didn't want to keep paying our salaries. And they didn't think it would be successful. <laughs> right. They just, oh, this will this will one, one season, and the, the comic book geeks will get tired of it, and, and we'll go on to something else. So, uh, so that July, uh, we got a call from a friend at Universal named Jeff Siegel. He said, we've got this... Extra Squad thing going. I know you might get a renewal on X Men, but it's going to be four or five months till you find out. So in the meantime, can you can you do this Extra Squad thing for us? And so I and my college buddies Mark and Mike, Michael Edens went over and and did the writing side on Extra Squad. And Will Minio, who was who had designed the X Men show, mm-hmm. uh, went over and designed Extra Squad. So it's the same brain trust that. Mm-hmm. that designed the first season of X-Men, went over and designed the first season of Exosquad. When X-Men got renewed, I went back and Mark and Michael stayed on and did the the final 39. So they did 52 episodes total. I was only on the first 13 and then I went back to X-Men. 
Wow. It, I, every time I talk to you guys, and uh, I, I always get geeked because <laughs> <laughs> I always geek out because I remember way back when uh, I went to MomoCon and that's where I met you two. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. I, I still have the signed cable pop figure that you guys did. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I still have it. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> so, uh, um, I know we became, you know, pretty good friends and you guys have been friends of the show. And, um, when I started looking at the list of works you've done, I see the similarities in writing between X-Men and Exo Squad and Skeleton Warriors, even like some of the animations is like real, real similar. Uh-huh. And I know it's like thought provoking, you know, storylines. And the funny thing about it, I dive down a rabbit hole, Julia, about Skeleton Warriors, because this is... <laughs> So this is YouTube channel that always talk about old uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Skeleton Warriors was one of them, and the toys was selling like hotcakes, but no one was buying the heroes. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, I can. I understand what yeah, I understand. The villains what you're were saying. just the, the villains, villains were, were cooler. Were so cool. <laughs> exactly. The skeletons was always cool, and I never had one. I was so mad at that. But <laughs> everybody bought the skeletons, but the heroes stayed on the shelves. I mean, you might buy a hero just for you know completion purposes but yeah other than that but like so squad now definitely had an so squad toy um i i can't remember the the character's name but he had an orange suit it was like the orange exo suit that he had and he had all kind of guns and i had the i had the the toy where he can shoot missiles on both arms uh-huh. and and i played that toy to the day as long I, that's probably like one of my favorite <laughs> toys from from yesteryear so um and you also had work with RoboCop, right? Alpha Commando, right? RoboCop Alpha Commando, voiced by David Soboloff, with whom we've become very good friends, uh, oh. who has gone on to have, continues to have an amazing career in, in voiceover. Uh, if, you were, if you look him up, he's, on, he's in everything, <laughs> which is fabulous. Yeah, it was one of one of was one of those things where we wrote the you know forty two episodes, whatever it were, and we went on to our next job, and we'd hand them off to the to the voice director at, uh, somewhere else, and they and they'd record uh, they'd record the voices, and we'd give notes on them, but we weren't the, in there in the booth, uh, you know, directing the actors. We correct. So we, so we hadn't met Robocop, but then then at a at a con about six years ago, <laughs> there's this big guy, this big bald. Uh, guy signing autographs with this for, amazing deep voice with a deep voice i'm here to serve and protect <laughs> and, and, and and he was sitting there uh signing robocop stuff and so hey and, and we introduced each other and we we found out we live about 10 miles from each other and so we see each other a lot wow the small world like 10 miles from each other that's yeah. How crazy yeah because we hadn't met for the first 20 years and then only recently and it, it, so and we were going to have dinner this week and unfortunately that had to get canceled so hopefully we'll see him after comic-con so yeah yeah speaking of comic-con so when when is that give us those dates again uh preview night is this coming wednesday and then july thursday the 21st through sunday the 24th uh down in san diego good god almighty Um, if if you've never been it, it is it is just a zoo it's it's like the Tokyo subway crossed with the Super Bowl. It's up like 150,000 people jammed into the space. And they're all there for the same, you know, all there to geek out. And uh, it's, it's, it's like a one of a kind kind of thing. We, we, were on, we, we weren't sure we were gonna go. We used to go 
family, you know, we take four or five kids down and, and we, two of our own, Mike, yeah. two were ours, the rest yeah. were, <laughs> uh, and, and we'd, we'd, we'd hang out for the week, but, uh, th this year we were quite sure we were going to go, but th there were some panels opened up about, uh, mostly about this being the 30th anniversary of X-Men. And we were invited to participate yeah. in those. So we, like, well, they, nice. we, they added on two or three. And so we thought, okay, we'll go down. It's, 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 it's not a hard, it's a two hour drive for us. So it's, it's a, an easy con to get to. But uh, yeah, it's it's man, it's the big one, and it's uh, if you're not ready for it, it can be overwhelming. So we are yes. pleased and honored. We're pleased and honored to be going to represent good old X Men, the animated yeah. series. Yeah, there's going to be a, a con. Uh, there's going to be a panel about a hundred years of Stan Lee because this is the hundred year of his birth birthday that I'm going to be on. And that's then, on Thursday. Yeah, and then there's X our, our X Men panels on Saturday. And we've got one about uh, cartoons of the '80s, also uh, on Saturday, right? And some some signing at the Hasbro place. The toy people have been very nice to us. They're all coming out with X Men, the animated series series this year. Hasbro, Mondo, everybody's coming out with them, and and so we they've been very they've been in contact with us and been very nice about getting us uh, toy swag. It's been <laughs> that has been magic. Been wonderful. <laughs> The toy sway. Now I, I'm gonna make you geek out a little bit because uh, I have some of the old '90s X-Men action figures. I have oh. Bishop. I have Iceman, the translucent like Iceman. Yeah. Um, because right. I dabbled a little bit of toy photography, so I actually took a few photos. I, I'm gonna have to send those to you. Um, Please do. And I have, and Julia, I have your personal favorite. I have Beast. Oh, right. you're and you you remembered, yeah. Mm -hmm. As soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that. And, and you know, usually like in toy photography, you kind of reluctant to open the package and take the pictures and stuff like that. And I have not opened Beast and I have not opened Bishop. I have opened Iceman and and I gritted my teeth when I did it. <laughs> but, um, but I did see other copies like on eBay and stuff like that. So I'm going to definitely send you some of those pictures because I know you sent me some gear and stuff like that. And... This may shock you, but I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. All the places I've been that the staff been to, never been to San Diego Comic-Con. It's it's not an easy uh, wall to breach. There, it's, it's, it's difficult getting tickets. It's difficult getting hotel accommodations. We're, we are, quote unquote, pros, you know, professionals. It's not easy. So... Um, yeah. 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 yeah we, we've never been, I understand New York is its own challenge. It's this huge mm -hmm. thing that's kind of spread out all over Manhattan. So that that's one we, we're curious we have to not, go to. We haven't had a chance to go to yet. Yeah. But we're hoping to go to more now that things are hopefully not yeah. wood opening up. We want to go to more. We want to meet more people. So that would be nice if we could go see more folks at more cons. Yeah, that, that would definitely be super, super awesome. So... You guys weren't married initially when I think it was X Men Anime Series first came out. So, can you tell the audience how you guys met? Oh no, we were okay. I we were just that recently right. married, when I, but but we we met at at, at the job. We, we, we met were, on the job. I was I was working at Disney uh, doing uh, uh, Chip and Dale at the time. Uh, and so it was eighty eight. And, and you've been working about what three or four years? I've been working about three years in the business at Hanna Barbera and some other places. And I was on staff at Disney at the time. And who got put in the office next to me? But... <laughs> My very first professional writing job. I've been working for ten years 
to, to crack the business. And that was my first job. I was so excited. So, so I, so I, there's some, suddenly this, this new girl next door <laughs> and, and that, that led to a engagement while we were at Disney mm -hmm. and, and a, a marriage just before we left. I want to qualify, qualify that I was not his supervisor. He was not my supervisor. We were, <laughs> Yeah. We were peers. We were absolute one hundred percent peers. So there's no 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 uh, no power weirdness there. It was just it was yeah. it was true love. But we were yeah. doing what we each loved. We we were each doing our passion. We were writing and getting paid for it. Geez, there was nothing better. And um, yeah, we met there and for three years under contract at Disney. That was how it worked back then. And then at, at the end of the three years. Uh, yeah, you're right. By that time we got married, I was pregnant with our first one and uh, we entered the freelance market and have been doing freelance ever since. So, um, yeah, wow. it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was nice in the old days when, when we were a lot younger. They, there, a number of the places like Hanna-Barbera and Disney uh, had big staffs of writers because they had a, suddenly had a large quantity of work they needed to get out. And then they realized after a couple of years of doing that and all the expense of setting up offices for all of us and and paying us every week of the year, they figured, well, we can do this for about half the cost if we just make all these people freelancers. And so there's some great hiring of people in about the mid-80s, petered out in the early 90s. And there's since then, there's been very few staff positions. It's almost... It's all been, you know, kind of piecework, uh, freelance, and it out ended up work, working great for us because, because jobs like Beetlejuice and X Men came up in the freelance market. That Skeleton Warriors. That if if I'd been on staff mm -hmm. at Disney, I wouldn't have been able to say yes to. I, I will say that, especially with the listeners, including myself, that you guys have literally been sitting in the living room with us as he was watching. <laughs> some of these Saturday morning cartoons because you had such a good chunk of our childhood, especially Beetlejuice. That's like one of my per personal favorites. And uh, now Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Like, did you watch the new movie? That oh came out my God. Movie? Sure did. Sure did. Yeah. I, was, I felt like a proud aunt. I was very proud of that movie. And we were surprised because <laughs> a, lot, a lot of these, a lot of redos and reboots don't turn out very well. It's It's, it's a difficult thing to do to have something new and fresh and something that makes people, uh, you know, stay in love with the original. And, uh, and not be too mean or snarky. And, and uh, we yeah. thought they did a great job. And of the four episodes they mentioned in the show, two of them were Julia's. Woohoo! So she, Whoa. Got, <laughs> she got, she got to uh, represent in, in the movie for sure. The one yeah. that went on about uh, Fish Upon a Star was, that was, mine. was one of hers. <laughs> Get out of town, man. And uh, one of our listeners, he said uh, he was tripping off the Ugly Sonic cameo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. No, they did that so well. I mean, they really, it just, yeah, it was, we really enjoyed that. And we just found out, again, no one's called us, but with the Emmy nominations this week, uh, it has been nominated for um, uh, Best uh, TV Movie, along with some real, <clears throat> some real high -end. Whoa. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, you you guys might not consider it, but I consider you guys like a power couple. So <laughs> <laughs> I consider that. Consider that. I was like, man, because I, I every day I always see you guys on my timeline. I always see y'all on my Facebook. 
And like, I know I don't talk to you guys every day, but I feel like I do. Because I, I see you every day and I see you guys post stuff and I see other people post stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is hilarious. And I was at the comic book store yesterday and I bought uh, X-Men Hellfire Gala number one. Oh. That just, yeah, that just came out not too long ago. So um, so I'm going to ask some of the questions that the Geek Corner wanted to ask. And one of them is Leroy Jenkins. And <laughs> I don't know you guys ever seen that video. Of oh, Leroy music, and you're asking us about Leroy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All so right. he says, uh, "What storyline do they do you wish that you got a chance to do? And who was the one character that y'all never got to use?" Okay, we're talking X Men. Is that right? Just, yeah, just yeah. so we're clear here. Okay, yeah. going back to good old X Men, the animated series. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's very interesting because people have very. We, we, we think people have very fond memories of the show being um, so uh, uh, such a high fidelity, such a high um, uh, connection to the comic books that, that, that all the, most of the stories came directly from the comic books. And actually, they were all true to the essence of the comic books, but there weren't that many that were direct adaptations. And I even worked on Days of Future Past in the first season, which ended up we didn't have Kitty Pride, you know, we there were a lot of major changes to what was a crown jewel story for Marvel. But as far as stories, as far as stories in the comic book line that, that Eric, you weren't able to use or, yeah. or that it's, it's interesting because it wasn't really. It, it was, it, it's funny to look back there. If, if you have somebody that could get in a time machine or that somebody's a real scholar of the books and mm-hmm. put themselves in like February 92, when we started, doing this uh, just over 30 years ago uh wow and they you know we were looking back and they were like there's i think three or four series of books going at that time and there'd been the x-band the the uncanny x-band there'd be been various there'd been we looked it up there like 29 different people over from 1963 to 1992 over almost 30 years 29 different people have been x-men in different formations of the team. And so there's mm-hmm. all sorts of things we could do with it. And when we talked to the head guy, Bob Harris, who was in charge of all the books at the time, we said, well, well as we put the team together and we you know, try to we said, tell, tell stories, he said, look, there've been so many interpretations. Don't feel constricted by one group of people or one you know, the history of these folks. Cause we've been jumping all over the place to fill 30 years worth of comic book stories, pick and choose what you like and what appeals to you from the characters and from bits of the stories. And so we kind of did that. We used them kind of as reference bits. And it was only rarely, occasionally, a a writer would come by and say, I really want to do the Asteroid M story. I really, really want to do that. And I said, okay, uh, then let's sit down. Because I hadn't read most of them. So they they were new to me and had been introduced to me. I said, let's look at what that story was. Maybe it was six books long uh, uh, story and see what bits of it that we like that that appealed to you as a writer and then how it will fit with our current team or what's happened so far within our our world and kind of make it fresh and make it our own. So there were a lot of writers who had had say a, a, a comic book issue that they really wanted to put on the air uh, but none of us in the supervisory roles 
had that kind of ambition. We just, we were just desperately look, trying to figure out what 13 stories we could tell this year, you know, this season that, that would be exciting and new and different from the, you know, the 40 we'd already told. So, so it, it hadn't really occurred to me while I was doing it that, that there was one, the only thing that we tried to do uh, that kind of got sidelined, which we thought was going to be kind of fun. Um, after the first season, Mark Edens and I were told that there's a good chance we get picked up. Finally, we told, told oh, you <laughs> get picked up for a second season. So we sit down and, and think, oh, what, given what we've done the first 13 stories, what would be the cool next step? And we looked and the end of the first season was, uh, was Scott proposing marriage to Jean. And so, okay, well, let's let's take let's run with that, and open the second season either with a wedding, or with Jean seven months pregnant, and running around kicking ass in her <laughs> spandex with a big old baby bump, and ha let her have her baby because the, in some of the books she had a baby, and it was turned out to be Cable. Or there's a timeline. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So the idea of just the idea of a two mutants having a child and what that child would turn into a double mutant, a double baby. mutant baby mm -hmm. that would be that would be a kind of cool thing to explore and we sent that into marvel and marvel said yeah this is a cool thing to explore and we're thinking about exploring it in a year or two but we don't want you to step on it so can you set this aside please and also there were a few there were a few cooler heads among uh, among the among the the man the man who'd grown up as comic book geeks in the in the group that said wait a minute look one of the things that twelve year old boys love about X Men and superhero teams is these stunning women in their spandex and we're not sure they want to see their pregnant mother running around with the seven months pregnant kicking ass and and fighting bad guys so there was a little bit of uh, there was two things. One, there was resistance from that level. And then two, there was resistance from Marvel saying, it's a cool idea. We just, we want to do it in the books first, please. Got you. Got you. And uh, <clears throat> now I, I want to hear y'all reaction to this because uh, this is from Greg uh, Frazier from the Geek Corner. If you could have any actor from the X-Men movies or shows to be a voice actor for the animated series, who would you pick? Hmm. I'm sorry for for the what I missed. Any actor from the movies to be a voice actor for, for an animated show? Oh, well, like like uh, oh, Picard. Or oh something. my God, we're talking uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that, and that leads on to a second question. Like, all right, I know you guys seen Doctor Strange, correct? Oh yeah. Okay, so what was your reaction when Professor X came out and the theme music hit? Oh my goodness. We we we. We lost it when we saw the pre previews online. Um, yeah, no one called us. I keep no I, one called I, us. I'm just stressing. No one this. called us. <laughs> and so here we're watching the preview for Doctor Strange, and in drifts this yellow hover chair and a green suit sleeve, and a voice that's under you know that's you know who that is. Yeah, and the trailer that was out. Oh and, my God, I lost and, it. And so. We and other people from the show just reacted all over the place, saying, "You know, oh, who, who, who warned us what this is going on?" And Marvel called us back and said, "Well, we're not saying who that is. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't, don't don't jump the gun here. You know, it could be some other Harvard chair, some <laughs> other sleeve on it. Yeah. So yeah, we that was. But we were very excited to see that. And, and my God, and, Patrick Stewart." 
in that capacity was just thrilling. Yeah, we, we, we thought they used him well in the, in the movie. We thought that was, that was a good introduction. If it isn't, yeah. if it proves to be an introduction, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, and um, I did like, I geeked out too. I, I'm not, I damn near stood up in my seat when I was, when I saw that. And I heard the jingle. The jingle actually caught me. You know, I knew Professor was going to be there because what we saw on the internet before the movie came out, like, oh, you know, Charles going to be there. But the music hit. And I was like, oh. And I immediately went to you guys. That, that's my first thought. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Eric and Julia right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we and, need to take credit for that. But let's, uh, a lot of moving parts, a thousand people, but also the music theme, Ron Wasserman. That man deserves all the credit he should be getting for, for having crafted and written X-Men, the animated series theme song. He doesn't get the credit, but he wrote it. So I salute yeah. him. Yeah, he he should. I mean, I I think that was like my ringtone for a period. Ah, still mine. <laughs> yeah, <it's, it's, laughs> so I might have to get it back. And I know we heard the jingle again in in Miss Marvel. Did you guys geek out when y'all heard the jingle like oh. for the second time? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, it's, it, yes, 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 yes. We did. Yes, yeah. we did. Yes, we did. And boy, that one was quick too. That was like less than two seconds of a of they they really sort of. Um, it was it was it was a quick musical sting. I thought it was kind of it was neat the way they chose to do that. But I have no idea where they're going with that. But yes, it really does open up a lot of doors, doesn't it? They've been teasing it really does. us for a while here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I think with the fan base, they pay close attention to all the MCU shows, right? So they pay like little nuances, little jingles, whatever. And <clears throat> I kind of i didn't see the, the show yet like the final episode and then um, i keep hearing about okay there might be like a mutant I, in my mind i thought a mutant was going to just show up yeah and then when bruno's you know start talking and say hey uh about that bangle you was wearing yeah you're not like your family you're different like a mutation, and then they play that jingle. I'm like, oh, now I was watching it with my girlfriend, right? And I and I was like, oh, oh, and she kind of looks at me like I was crazy, and, and I was like, oh no, that that's the X Men jingle. I said, I can't wait girl, till Friday. She's your girlfriend, and she doesn't know the X Men jingle. I have some issues. <laughs> I have some issues okay, but it's been so long. It's been so long. It's, it's uh, okay. So I had I had to explain. I had to explain. I was like, yeah, this is a uh, that's. Because it was less than two seconds, so I picked up on it. Boy, the internet blew up the next day. At least yeah, what I was looking at exploded. And it it was so crazy that uh, you know I explained to us, yeah, you know, um, that's from the cartoon, the Saturday morning cartoon, because they never really played that in the movies. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're so, right. That it is cartoon specific, at least to me. Yeah. Yeah, not, like that's just probably the greatest jingle. Now I will say. While I do play video games with my friends sometimes, uh, we do act out certain scenes in the, X in the animated series, and we just have a ball doing it. I think we just did that a few days ago. And uh, Black Lupin 810 asked uh, about Professor X's scream. And I know you you can't answer a whole lot about, 90, about 97, but I guess they still want the scream there. Here we go. Let me. All right. <clears throat> Here is my prepared statement before we um, start talking about X-Men 97. Okay. Ready? Yep, go ahead. Here we go. On November 12th, 2021, Disney Plus announced the production of X-Men 97. 
Together with X-Men animated series original producer-director Larry Houston, we have been brought on board as consulting producers. Beyond that, we have no comment. Ta-da! There you go. There you have it. There, there you have it right there. There you got it. That's yeah. straight from the yeah. horse's mouth. Yeah, we have, we've been authorized to say a couple things. Like, we're very, we're thrilled with the idea yep. that instead of being some new thing or some twist or some some side version or rethinking of of it, it is very much a continuation of our show. It's not a rethinking of the show. So, right. so you go into the, the new show and know that it's picking up a short time after the first one ended with the same characters and, and in the same timeline and, and with assuming that the audience, that a large portion of the audience has seen our version and is making reference to it as this being the same people in the same world. If you were a fan of the show, I, I'd say go back and watch it again, just to sort of be up to speed to enjoy it again. But when yeah. New, when the new one comes out mm -hmm. next year. Yeah. So that was, yeah. that was a good thing. And, and we could, we could tell you, we, you know, we met with the, the, uh, when we first met after that announcement with the folks that, that have been assigned to do it, they're just, they're, it's a huge group of people that are all about, See, they all seem to be 30 years old and <laughs> have grown up on our show and love the show and and the artists and designers and writers and people that are that are pushing it forward so that was that was really kind of humbling and, and amazing to watch because yeah. that's kind of the way we felt when we were doing the show we were a bunch of people in our 30s and you know there was Stan Lee 70 year old Stan Lee uh you know, who had come, come up with Jack Kirby had come up with the thing 30 years earlier, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with his hand in and, and looking over our shoulders as we, as we made a TV show, you know, we're watching the next generation, uh, you know, go, go from what we did. And that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that like, you know, meeting Stanley for like the first time? You met him before I did. And yeah. we, we, we both worked with him, you know, on X-Men and then on projects after X-Men. So it was, I mean, he's Stan Lee, geez, he's an he's, icon. He's kind of, he's kind of a force of nature. He, he is, he was, that's good, force you know, of nature. He, he was, I mean, I appreciate this being, you know, nearing that age myself, but he was this 70 year old guy that, or, or about to turn 70 when we got started. And he had more energy than anybody in the room. That's true. And, and he just, we'd be in a room with seven or eight different people and some of them would be business people and some of them, you know, marketing executives, whatever. And you could tell that Stan was just interested in the characters and the stories. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, so it was very much, you could see all this stuff bubbling out of him that had been bubbling out of him forever. Um, so in that way, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun to watch his mind work, uh, as, you know, as we, as we talk through things, um, another, uh, another small twist. Um, I got to know him pretty well, uh, of all things in waiting rooms, uh, <laughs> at, at studios, because we'd have a meeting and there'd be eight or nine folks there that, for the meeting and Hollywood is famous. I guess other places do it too, but you know, you know the, the big, the bigger, the bigger shot you are, the later you drift into the room because mm -hmm. you're not going to sit there and wait for five minutes or somebody junior to you takes their time coming in. Um, but Stan hate, Stan and I both hate being late. 
so we were always there five, 10 minutes early in the waiting room you know, to make sure that we, you know, uh, that we weren't late for the meeting. Even if Stanley were the biggest name to be yeah. in the room, he was always he there just, first. He, he, just, he just couldn't stand when people were <coughs> prompt. So we'd have mm -hmm. a chance to chat for 10 minutes before the, before everybody else started drifting in and, you know, seeing who was there and seeing who wasn't deciding when they were going to show up for the meeting. And it just, it, ne it never failed to piss him off. <laughs> but, yeah. I got here on time. I'm not sure why everybody else couldn't get here on time kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. uh, that was, that was a, a, a fun side, side to stand that I actually seriously respected. Yeah. Like with, uh, Stan's philosophy on life. Um, I think that's the reason why I would never claim old age. <laughs> so, like, with, and he's like the primary example of that. Like you saying he's 70 years old, but he moved faster than anybody else. Well, he moved more lively than anyone else in the room. Yeah. And his personality never changed, you know, from his start, starting up Marvel up till, you know, up till, you know, a few years ago. And I know that was like a, a huge blow. Like when we hear of Stan Lee's passing, because it, it hit it hit people like a ton of bricks, myself included, because you know he's such a a lively person, yeah. And especially seeing his cameos in movie movies and stuff like that, and I saw a cameo in an anime, <laughs> and yeah, so it was so funny. It was it's called Hero Man, and I think he had some work with that. Yeah. And I think Japan and Marvel was doing some work together. And I think it's on Crunchyroll. And I think it's like the first episode. He's like, Stan is like sitting at the bar. No, he's sitting at the uh, the diner ordering something. And you can like turn back and talk. I'm like, whoa, that's Stan Lee. But he was talking in Japanese. So I'm like, yeah, that's Stan Lee right there. I, I know exactly yeah. what that is. So, so Mark Scott, um, I'm going to rearrange his question a little bit. Uh, beyond good and evil. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. okay. Was there a question or just, just the general? Well, it, it, it was more of a, um, how he wanted to ask about X-Men out of seven, but it wasn't. It, so I'm trying to reword it. Uh -huh. Um, was that, was that supposed to be. The, that was the, supposed to be the, the ending. That was supposed to be the ending of the first of the first of our series. That was the series that, finale, grand yeah, sign off. That was the series almost always just ran, ran 65 episodes back then. Cause then you could play them four times a year on, on afternoons. Mm -hmm. uh, if you had 65 and that was supposed to be episode 62 through 65, the fo Fox would come to me and say, Eric, we need a big splashy explosive, you know, world ending, uh, uh, multi-parts, story to, to, to go out on a bang to, for the series. So let's uh, sit down with Mark and come up with something that Mark Edens, you know, with Mark Edens and come up with something that uh, brought back a lot of the main characters from over the five years of the series and brought over and, and all of the, the main X-Men. So Mark basically built this, this story about uh, draining the, the metal energy into the, uh, and bringing in all these super villains all on, and, and this huge cast. And we'd set it up so that five of the X-Men that start this four-part story, by the end of the four-part story, they're going to leave the X-Men and four new people are going to join. And the new people that were going to join were Bishop and Shard and uh, Archangel. Archangel and Psylocke. Those were going to be the four new X-Men at the end of episode 65 when good and evil was done. And that's why they're all in the story. 
because, so we, also because you had people leaving the X-Men. Yeah. So we, yeah, we had people like Storm and Xavier and uh, Gene and, and Scott were getting married and they were going to leave. So, uh, and Jubilee. So they were all going to leave and the new people were coming in and there's going to, that was going to be like the last sequence where, well, look here, we're the new X-Men. Goodbye. And with some, maybe some tease that maybe did be another X-Men series sometime in the future with this new group of X-Men in it. So that was, that was all set up that way and wrote 160 page four part script to, 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 to bring everybody in, give them all, and then give five people reasons to leave and four people reasons to stay. And then we got a call saying, oops, uh, we got more money <laughs> to do more shows. <laughs> to do more shows with the original team. So you can't have the five people leave. You can't have the four people stay. So redo that thing you've already got written. It's, it, it won't be much work, right? <laughs> okay. So so we had to rethink where that whole big story was going. But originally it was intended. And we've got the old outline somewhere. We sure do. That shows exactly how and why each person left and how each person stayed. But so we had to rewrite it to where everybody's back to normal. That was a little frustrating. I mean, it was it was difficult from a writer standpoint, but it kind of it did allow us later to do what we thought was a really nice goodbye to the series, where Xavier gets where everybody gets to say come together and say goodbye to Xavier, kind of like at a funeral, you know, uh, you know, as he as he leaves with Lalandra in the very last episode. So in the end, it worked out giving us. A, you know, the change allowed us to do a nice goodbye episode. But while we were writing that four parter, it was it was we had to do a quick turn. Yeah. And that was mm -hmm. that that was tough on us. So but still it was it still was a lot of fun, a lot of spectacle. You know, so we you know, I, I, I hope he I hope he enjoyed it. I did. Uh that's actually one of my favorite um uh, like sagas, you know, oh. other than Dark Phoenix. Like, I mean there's some other characters. Wolverine's like my favorite, obviously. And but there was other obscure characters that I really wanted to see like more shine, like Psylocke for one. Yeah. And um I I was really enjoying Nightcrawler. Yeah. And Colossus. And Colossus was always a an interesting character to me. And uh I know they reordered they they rearranged the order in on the Disney Plus, you know, X-Men animated series. I think it's recently did that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, they finally got it in the right order. I think I don't know if they got the entire series in the but right it's close. order, it's but they have made some improvements. They 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 fixed some stuff that was out of order, so so good for them. Glaringly out of order, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I know you guys had a plan. I know as writers, that is very frustrating to actually go back and you know you're satisfied with your work, and then like, oops, <laughs> we got to change that and. You have to rearrange some stuff. So I did enjoy the graduation episode because in my eyes, I thought, okay, is Magneto going to lead the X-Men now? Or because there was a period in the comics where Magneto was the lead guy. And I was like, oh, I'll say, you know, back then I was like, okay, this is an interesting, interesting take. And Mark Scott asked about the villains and X-Men. I'm going to reword it. Like, who was your favorite villain okay. to write about in the X-Men animated series? Um, well, it, it's interesting. What I really appreciate about having written on X-Men, the animated series, is there There was a range... How about this? There was a range of villainy because 
uh, you can you can start with Charles and Magneto, and as best friends, as best friends, and mm -hmm. and, and yet they have such a they they each are, have such deep personal convictions that that are in contrast with each other. But you know there are times you got to say you know Magneto is kind of right, you know, but there's also times you go Charles is doing the hard tough work. But so you had you had that kind of um, conflict or or villainy, and then the to me, the my personal favorite was Apocalypse because, good God, his voice, his his ability to, it, oh, what a what a great great performance! What a great great character in the show. Such people, a condescending voice. <laughs> oh, people still quote. I mean, I still quote. I am the rocks of the eternal shore. Crash against me and be broken. You know, <laughs> dang, yeah. that's a magic voice right there. And you can imagine how much fun it was. To coming up, with, you know, with stuff like that, picking up stuff to fit that operatic, uh, that, that that larger than life character. So that yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty much at the top. Magneto was was at the top for the fact that we got to know him more deeply mm -hmm. than we did any other villain, and you know the things that that molded him and and forced him to become who he was, and and just the level, intense level of 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 feelings between him and Xavier made, mm -hmm. made for incredibly fun writing. Um, Let's but, not forget Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting, very, again, a very interesting villain. Uh, and the, I think it became even more so because of the fact that Morph had to come back into the show for various behind the scenes reasons. And then the discovery that Mr. Sinister had really messed with him um, and Sort of made him uh, yeah. made more a, a yeah. more a tragic character. Yeah, so there's 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 some good ones there for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely say Apocalypse and Mister Sinister is probably my two favorite ones. Um, uh, I, I I did like the Phalanx uh, saga and oh yeah one one of my personal favorite episodes is I think it's I forgot the name of the title i think it's lies and videotape but there's another oh, word in there weapon yeah. x lies and videotape yep weapon that's x it so yeah. to see wolverine and Sabretooth and maverick and lady deathstrike together along with beast mm -hmm. you know in a sense you know going back to what they used to be way back when i was like oh this is actually pretty interesting because you know, I always, like I said, I always was interested in Wolverine's character. Magneto was like definitely my guy. In some, in some ways, yes, he was right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, ah, I, I, I kind of side with Magneto a little bit. I understand his level of anger. And um, one of the things, one of the things we love quoting um, when we kind of like hang around to like play games and stuff like that is uh, the courtroom scene where Sabretooth was going crazy in the courtroom. Yeah. And, you know, Cyclops, you know, come on, they're going to kill him. And, you know, Wolverine, like, good. We're like, what? <laughs> yep. yep. And Cyclops, like, what? You're like, he, and, you know, I see Wolverine with his arms folded, like, look, bro, I'm not, I'm not touching that. Like, let him take him out. Yep. Oh, and, you know, and let's not forget the Friends of Humanity. That, yes. the, the nameless, faceless mob that was just out there hating on mutants because they were hating on mutants. And, and that, that famous line though that 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 sort of the mob mentality aspect of the friends of humanity always unnerved me um 
seeing that kind of you know, just rage, you know, uh, aimed at a group of uh, at a group of people who were different. You know, we see it all the time. We've seen it throughout our all, all our lives, throughout the yes. history of the world, and and that just scares me. That I think that that credits to the brilliance of Stan Lee, um, <clears> or <throat> how he came up with the concept of X Men, and. I was like, wow, this this is a great way to actually kind of like tell a story, but in a different, unique, and entertaining way. And, and I like that plot twist with Sabretooth, you know, being the son. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, that was, that was, uh, I can't remember where, where that all worked out, but if you think about it, the Friends of Humanity there, that guy is taken at the end of that episode. And just hand it off. I is think it, to be killed. Is it Graydon Creed? Yeah, Graydon Creed. Graydon Creed. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a very and and there's no there's no okay. We see ten minutes later that he's fine. I think he's taken to, to the cabin somewhere. Like here, here's Sabretooth. Slice him in half, uh, and then this, then the episode ends. And it's, so that looking back, the stuff that our our wonderful uh, lady. Who who was our censor allowed Broadcast. us to do in a kids show? Broadcast standards Broad, and practices. Yeah, Avery Coburn. She just she you know she allowed us to have Nightcrawler talk about God nonstop for 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 an episode. She allowed us to have Morph die in the second yep. in the in, in episode two. She allowed us to do all sorts of challenging things that nobody else. And we've worked with most of them. Nobody else in kids programming would have let us do. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Mio38 says, as a kid, you know, going back to Sabretooth, he just assumed Sabretooth gave him a spanking. <laughs> as a kid. Ah! <laughs> you know what? Fine. There you go. Perfectly there you go. fine. Perfectly fine. Um, that, there you go. I, I did enjoy in what was the first season was, was Sabretooth when Wolverine reasonably calls out Professor X, you know. How come? Yeah, you know, how come we got to treat this guy? I can't take out Sabretooth, but you know, you you say we got to take out somebody else. It's, there was there was discussion among them about you know levels of payback. I guess is is a word, you know. And and Wolverine was right. He, right, Wolverine had a reasonable gripe that he. That, yeah, he was pissed. He, he was <laughs> super pissed. He was like, "How come we got to trash your old enemy?" But we got to go easy on mine. And he kind of like just slammed the bed up against the wall and just walked away. Understandable. And he was right. Yep. Yeah, he was absolutely right. And uh, I know two things. Now, you, you spoke of Morph. And I think Morph is a TV character yeah. versus anything else. So I know, I think originally Morph was supposed to stay gone. Yes. So, <laughs> so what happened with that? Well, you were only given 13 episodes for the show because right, the assumption right. was it was going to fail. So you and Mark Eden said, well, let's... We, we did that first season. Let's... We, we got 13 episodes. Let's make this intense. strongest, most powerful, most intense. So 13 episodes we can. So we're going to pick somebody that we're going to have... We're going to have them be killed the first story. Because? because? To show that that there's a consequences to be an X-Men. It's not pretend violence. It's real. And show everybody grieving and showing... The, what a family they are and how much they care for each other through the fact that somebody dies in the field while they're struggling. Uh, and so, so we had it all set up and then 
then the fans. It's their, <laughs> it's their damn fault. Yep. So uh, when they started season two, they they brought a bunch of nine year olds together and and had them. You know, they had a focus group and oh, said focus group said who's your favorite X Men? And by a landslide, they said Morph. Ah. And we killed them <laughs> off in, the, in episode two, and. And so, but the th thinking was Morph had shown himself to be a friend to every X Men. Yeah, we made him really sympathetic. <laughs> made we, him too good. <laughs> we made him too lovable. We made it so that it broke everybody's heart that he was killed. So all these kids wanted to bring him. So we get the call from the network executive from Sydney saying, "You know, I know it's important that he die, and I know you didn't want this to be, you know, some twist or fake or anything, but could you?" find some way to bring him back because look 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 at the reaction we're getting from fans they just love morph so that's when we thought well he was killed off screen they never got the body back maybe he didn't die maybe sinister did something with him and he'll come back damaged you know ptsd and we can do some some heavier duty shows with him having you know, now struggling with his feelings about betrayal from his friends. So it ended up being a dark, interesting set of stories with him, but it was not, it was not what we intended. And we did not like getting that phone call that day to say that we had to bring you back to life. But to your credit, I think you came up with some really strong stories uh, with Morph after his return yeah. that I, I find very poignant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, really well thought out. I mean, as a kid, like looking at it, I was like, I'm not even gonna lie, I was a little sad. I didn't want him to come back, but yeah, you know, I, I I was saddened by it because of his, he was too good, you know, like with interacting with people. I mean, it was Wolverine's best friend, yeah, you know, in, yep. a, in a way. Yep. And um, it was like a couple funny moments in the first, I think, like first or second episode where he changed into Gambit and like start talking like him, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. see Gambit put his hands on his face, like, "Man, dude, you you're so crazy," kind of like that. Yeah. Or when Beast, like Beast and Wolverine, like hoot him over the fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, can you guys get me over? You're like, looks like we can. Yeah. <laughs> so, that kind of thing. So, um, what were you guys' personal favorite episode to write about? You know, I, I I didn't get to write necessarily a ton of episodes, but mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> I got to participate in a lot of the, uh, the development of the stories. The, yeah, development of the stories where a group of us would sit around <clears throat> and sort of pitch out ideas for things that would hopefully then become episodes in the show. And there were a lot. Eric, you, do you have any numbers on how many stories had to be pitched to come up oh, with what became? Well, just I, I'd say a good rule of thumb or for every one that got on that got greenlit there were at least 10 times that that got pitched like said oh we could do this wolverine or that or that one and then we'd kind of talk it through and we'd take it to you know we'd stretch it out and see if it would make a 22 minute story and oftentimes it didn't so maybe to get 13 approved we'd pitch a couple hundred uh and maybe Marvel and Fox would like 50 or 60 of those, of those, you know, we'd narrow it down and we'd end up with, you know, the best 13 that we liked. Mm -hmm. But there, yeah, there's a lot of, there, and writers were constantly pitching new story ideas. I mean, we were very much open to, as we're doing the writing, to coming up with something new if it was better. And that was the hard, by far the hardest part to me was 
figure out which of the story ideas were the strongest. Because once you got going, most of the people out here, most of our friends out here that do the writing, you know, they're good craftsmen. They're going to make they're going to make the stories tight. But what is the the story? You know, what is the you know the the a really cool story where another story might be just kind of okay. Uh, Julius, I think you were saying that one you came up with was the Beauty and the Beast story. Mm -hmm. Written, mm. written by Stephanie Matheson. Yeah, but and the, yeah, and so that was one that really grabbed us. And and for for me, it was again over five years coming up with hundreds of these, and then you know four or five of them stick in your mind is, oh, when that one came up, that well, I knew it right away, and that was One Man's Worth. Love uh, that one. Coming up with, you know, just the idea of what would happen if if somebody took out Charles Xavier when he was younger and there never were any X-Men. And that was, it was not only probably my favorite story to come up with, but I look back at it when we were making, writing these books about the show and realized for some reason it took forever uh, to get everybody to get on board on that show. Uh, time travel shows are difficult because of, you know, the logic's all over the place. But usually it would take us about maybe, say, a couple, couple months. We'd get a story idea, we'd assign it, somebody would write some outlines and scripts and we'd be done, two or three months. Mm -hmm. uh, One Man's Worth took us like 10 or 11 months. Unbelievable looking at the Because wow. going back and forth and... You know, Marvel would kind of not get it, and then they'd get it, and then Fox wouldn't get it, and I'd uh, switch it around. <clears throat> and it just, it was a, it was a real struggle to to get exactly the right tone and exactly the right number of times, because they're going through like three different time periods, and who did what to who, and all that those things. But but that's that was a real satisfying. I think the best, uh, one the the, the best. The, the hardest, but I think best uh, accomplishment we did, the first Phoenix Saga, the five-parter, um, Mark, Mark and Michael Edens and I just did that one ourselves, the three of us, yeah, all five episodes. And taking the, the bunch of books that made that up and kind of trimming them down and focusing on what would be uh, 110 minutes of screen time uh, for the, it, it, in that show, that was, it's really satisfying looking back just from a craft point of view, that we're able to put those five stories together and have it be a nice continuing flow and yet each one kind of resolve itself at the end of the half hour. And that was, uh, so I, they gave us some extra time to do that too. A lot of this st stuff was done really fast, you know, as, as fast as we could write kind of stuff. And that one, you know, they knew it was a crown jewel, so they said, well, I'll let you have your two top guys outside my wife uh -huh. and, <laughs> and, and and you, and you guys can just hunker down and, and spend some time on this one because we want to get this one right. So that uh, that one was really satisfying as a creative challenge. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, I think one of my favorite seasons is, I know how Disney Plus had it set up, because I, I want to say it's the second season, yeah. is when... Each character per episode had their own story. Like yeah. Rogue had her own, you know, Wolverine had his. And I think another one of my favorites is Externally Yours. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. With with Gambit, and I was like the externals. I was like, oh, that's that's very interesting. I always was interested in that that part of life for Gambit. So that's that's probably another one of my personal favorites. I would say that's probably one of my like top five. Yeah, I, I will say so. And then especially like with Nightcrawler, and you know, uh, especially his interactions with Wolverine, mm-hmm. and you know the the rage that Wolverine had in his past, and he's still dealing with and. And Nightcrawler kind of, in a sense, brought him some peace or gave him an avenue for that. Yeah, I will say it was such a respectful discussion of religion. It wasn't proselytizing. It wasn't trying to convert anybody. It was a discussion about the nature of religion and and faith. And I still can't believe that got on the air. (laughs) I consider that a high mark, but wow. You know, uh, yeah, that was impressive. I, I feel like that you guys had, I, I wouldn't say the most freedom, but have a little bit of a bending of the rules than anybody else that I I know. Um, because, you know, you, you got away with the the one physical contact between Wolverine and Cyclops when you got punched in the stomach. Yeah. And, yeah. Yep, there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the Nightcrawler episode where he talked about religion. And, You're right. And so I'm like, wow, this actually happened. So. Um, I know we never saw that again, but well, credit to the folks in charge at Fox Kids, starting with Margaret Lesh, the president of Fox Kids, who mm-hmm. determined to Fox Kids was brand new. It was what two, three years old, but, yeah, yeah. And, and was really trying to break into the the big three networks: ABC, CBS, and NBC. And right. she was willing to swing for the fences and try some things that the other networks honestly just weren't willing to do they never would have let us try to do those things you mentioned and in each of those cases we even got initial notes back from from avery coburn from standards lady saying oh this is going too far yeah and then it took not taking that no taking that as a probably not and (laughs) and like arguing back with her and sending her a couple page explanation how important it was and finally you know she came around to the fact and said okay look we're not going to let you, you have X-Men hit each other ever again. But this one time, I understand, it's out of grief. It's out of grief for Morph. And, so, he's, and he's not using his claws. He's not using his claws. And they are both super strong. And so so we're going to let this pass this one time. But it's just not something that we allow. But I've I, I've listened to your arguments, Eric, and, and we're going to make an exception here. And it's that kind of, A, not giving up on my part, but B, having somebody that thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, in charge because eight out of 10 people in that position, the executives would just immediately write back me in like one sentence. Look, I gave you my rulings on all this. Go on to the next episode. Stop bothering me. You know, there wouldn't, <laughs> there wouldn't, there wouldn't be this back and forth Correct. And, and this thoughtful back and forth. It'd just be, you know, the rules stop, stop breaking them. Yep. And that was a way to campaign. Cause I mean, I feel like there was no other way to portray Wolverine's grief than to punch Cyclops in the stomach. <laughs> so, I mean, he was the leader and he said, hey, we got to go. And in Wolverine's eyes, like, you left a man behind. And I'm a soldier. We don't do that. And I did like that that formula. Uh, I did also like two more episodes, too. Uh, the Ike Cold Comfort. I think I think that was it. Cold Comfort with Iceman? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the next one was with Wolverine flashing back where he was working with Captain America. Oh, yeah. oh 
loved that, especially that one, just because that was written by um, Len Wein. Len Wein, who was who who remains, you know, an iconic uh, comic book writer and creator. He was he, he co-created Wolverine and Storm and all these other characters and Colossus as, and Nightcrawler and Swamp Thing. So, yeah. This guy, I mean, just working at Marvel, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get royalties for the. $10 billion in Wolverine merchandise is out there. He just has the satisfaction that he, cre you know, he came up with this guy. Now, sadly, Len Wein passed a few years ago, but, but during X-Men, the animated series, he had moved to Los Angeles from New York. And it was a different time back then being in New York, you were on a different planet, but in Los Angeles, uh, Eric learned he was here and was able to reach out to him said, do you want to write on the show based on yeah. the books you created? And Len Wein, this was what his second or third or fourth episode. Look, this is his fourth episode. He he uh, gone on to some other stuff, and I we 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 thought X Men was over, and this was right. the Captain America episode was part of the, that very last that surprise last season. Yep. And yeah. so I called up Len and said, "Look, we got eleven more episodes assigned, uh, which is a surprise, but would you like to do one?" And he said, "Well, you know, I don't, you know, I've I've done a few for you guys." I'm not really that interested unless you can let, unless they can let me have bring Captain America back and do a, do a forties episode with, with Wolverine. And I said, well, you know, legal usually doesn't let us do stuff like that, but, let me, but let's look into it. You and me will both ask. And because it was land, it took a few weeks, but because it was land, they got the rights for that one episode to have Captain America in the expansion. Cause otherwise, you know, if we tried to put somebody else, Thor or Spider-Man or Iron Man or somebody, if we tried to put someone like that into the show, we didn't have the rights to do it. And uh, that was something that the attorneys had to go through to get for that one episode. And so mm -hmm. that was a kind of a personal favorite episode of Lens that he came back to write because he always wanted to write that story, he said. Yeah, and I noticed the cameos, especially in the Phoenix Saga. You know, I saw Doctor Strange, I saw Thor, and... Yep. I want to say there was someone else, and I was like, "Wow!" He was able to the watcher, the watcher, yes. War Machine was in there. I mean, there was, but all credit to Larry Houston. Yeah, that's all done under the radar. That's all done with, <laughs> without telling anybody. And Larry <laughs> stuck that stuff in there. And if the attorneys had known any better, they would have they would have uh, found them and they would have made us take them out. So those that was all done illegally. Every single cameo you see like that was done by Larry for fun and for the fans. And the attorneys didn't know because he didn't call them by their names. He just said- At the storyboard stage. Yeah, at the storyboard stage, he, or even the script stage. If he had added the storyboard stage, or he'd put, you know, Norseman standing on, on, uh, on building. He wouldn't say Thor. Right. Or he'd say mm. alien with big head watching from, you know, he wouldn't say Watchmen. So, he got it through because whoever was doing the legal review didn't see the name of a copyrighted character. And they weren't in color. It didn't look like a yeah. comic book. So. so so he snuck those past. And he put, you know, Deadpool's in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> in, in the Dark Phoenix. So it's it, it, it was just him him and his artists having fun. Yeah, and um Mio thirty eight says there was a quick look at Ghost Rider too. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I was like, wow, this now that's genius. That's actually pretty genius. Like you just kind of like rename it. And I mean, when you look at 
some some of those people they probably never read a comic book in their life so it's kind of like oh well this is just a regular character (laughs) you know for us fans he's like oh i wonder what's going to happen next i mean obviously as a kid you don't understand the legalities of everything and you know my first look at thor or deadpool or you know the watcher i'm like will there be in the next season like what's going to happen here you know it's those questions that keeps me going and saying hey i'm gonna watch the next episode the next episode that larry was absolutely doing it for the fans absolutely doing it for fans to get them excited and to you know sort of wink at them and say yeah i understand i yeah and greatly appreciate that and um rondo i said earlier about the rabbit hole on youtube and the top two saturday morning cartoons i always see they always alternate between one and two is batman the animated series and x-men the animated series And they always they always alternate. Depends on whose list it is. Those yeah. are really the top two. And um, I sometimes like talk to my girlfriend about it. I like, well, X Men is not. It, it is a Saturday morning cartoon, yes, but it's it's not a a quote unquote kitty kitty show because there's so many you know uh, subjects that they touch on mm-hmm. that as a kid you probably don't recognize that but as an adult you realize what is really going on and how they're really talking and because I, I think i watched one of the episodes uh, a couple of days ago on how the prison guard was talking to beast and beast was taking the high road and not responding at all and you kind of see magneto come in and he breaks into prison and whether to break beast out of prison and he's upset that charles told him to break into the mute control agency and then leave from the rotten prison and he's like look you know what i'm getting you out of jail because you don't deserve to be here and you see beast put you know his cuffs back on himself yep he's like no i'm gonna stay here and i'm gonna stand trial because i'm have to i have to let these people know that mutants are not a threat if i escape this just totally debunks anything any philosophies that i have a real no. examination of civil disobedience, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in in that one moment, and you realize that's a pretty heavy concept to be introducing and exploring in in a cartoon, and you're doing it with a big blue furry character. You're <laughs> but, right, you know, and, and a guy with magnetic powers. But that was that's what it was about. Yeah, 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 and you know, to hear Beast dialogue while he was in court. And, you know, to, um, you know, we bleed too, mm-hmm. you know, we are just like you, we were just born this way and there's no, we can't help this, but I promise you, I'm not the person that's trying to hurt you as you're portraying us to be. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's really deep. I mean, of course, as a kid, I was very inquisitive. So, you know, sometimes I just kind of like rewatch an episode or two or whatever, and you know from a parent's perspective like oh it's just a regular saturday morning cartoon but it really wasn't you know that i think that's why they stay x-men and batman the animated series stay on top as like the two best you know saturday morning cartoons because of the storylines that you guys wrote and how it made people think well i i I certainly appreciate hearing that we we knew all the folks working on batman and it was kind of a (laughs) A, a certain uh, sibling rivalry there just because they had the budget, they had the time, but they had amazing stories, amazing, you know, animation, just, uh, we, uh, 
I don't begrudge Batman anything. It is it is yeah. it is timeless. It is a classic. But I just appreciate that we're kind of in that we're part of the same big happy family at that time in Saturday morning in our own ways kind of making a difference in how that stuff was perceived by people and and who ultimately ended up enjoying it all. Yeah, I mean, hell, they even used guns in Batman the animated series. They was firing them off. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how to get away with that? I don't know. We, we, we didn't. We weren't allowed to. So, yeah. But, but you know, we got laser guns. I, I, you know, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Now, uh, one final question before I let you guys go, because I know you guys got a busy schedule ahead of you. You're trying to get ready for San Diego Comic-Con. Uh-huh. Um, if you had the pencil, you know, for the new series, who would you like to see, you know, in the series in more of a prominent role? I'm sorry, you mean in, in X-Men? <laughs> Whoa, there goes the dog in, in X-Men 97. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. well, let me let me sort of roll back the tape here to talk about X-Men, the animated series. It was a real challenge to make sure that it was a big team, and we just you, we just talked about Batman. Batman, you had Batman, and and you had his ancillary characters, and then you had whichever villain he was up against. Mm-hmm. But in X Men, you were servicing a lar- a team of eight people plus Charles Xavier. It was the challenge was in servicing all the characters. For example, you mentioned Gambit, externally yours. Mm-hmm. It'd be each each one of these characters has has several interesting life experiences that'd be fun to examine that there just wasn't time to do ultimately in X-Men, the animated series. So whatever happens as they roll forward with X-Men 97, um, I, I, I imagine they're going to be bumping up against the same wonderful challenge mm-hmm. of, you know, servicing everybody, uh, d- d- telling, you know, the stories that, but but making sure you don't forget anybody. That was one of the challenges, was making sure someone didn't get sidelined too long. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, well, yeah, I look forward to seeing, without saying anything, I look forward to seeing how they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. For, for instance, I, when I look back at the 76 episodes we did, it wasn't so much that there were people that we didn't get a chance to do stuff with. It was that there were some people that we introduced that we didn't do enough with. Like, I think we could have done more in the last couple seasons with Morph, but we hadn't, we kind of thought of, you know, had written him out after season one, and then we're kind of shoehorning him back into season two. So I don't think he, I think there are other characters that, you know, maybe for personal stories, people like Storm and Jubilee, that we could have done a little more, or even Jean Grey, we didn't really get into Jean Grey's personal life as much um so or, or even people that you're like colossus that had a couple of guest shots mm-hmm. or, or or iceman who had just one guest shot mm-hmm. you know if they could have had four or five guest shots we could have learned more about them people that are pretty major in the x-men universe that we just only got to touch on once or twice so it was more like if i had 50 more episodes I'd want to do more with the people that we'd introduced. There wasn't somebody hanging out there. I think the people we were most excited about, we all used once or at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. We never, but it was so crowded <laughs> in telling, We our first job was to tell stories about our eight main people. 
And if that meant never meeting another interesting secondary person, that's fine. Uh, they're the ones that it's like I tell people for TV shows, if your TV series is called Friends, you know, you don't tell stories that are all about the guest characters. You know, you start with the friends and you, you use the guest characters to highlight their lives. And if you end up with some really spectacular guest characters, great. But your first responsibility is to make sure that this, there are good stories about your lead characters. Um, so I, I think we did that, but I think in doing that, there was room for another couple, three seasons of, of finding out more about some of the guest stars that, that we'd introduced, but that we really hadn't taken as far as we could. Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely understand that like, wholeheartedly. I think like some of the fan base, I know I looked in some circles and uh, some people was asking more about Archangel, Psylocke, Iceman, Bishop, Cable. Yeah, uh, that's the challenge. Those are exactly the kind of folks that only got a little bit of screen time and could have benefited by by having more. Yeah, and uh, one thing I'll say that is unique about X-Men is that with this team of mutants that there's an interesting dichotomy, you know, of people. You know, you have Jubilee being Chinese-American. You have Storm being African. You have Wolverine being Canadian. Uh-huh. And, you know, Gambit being from the Bayou. You know, he's straight from Louisiana because, man, I love his, you know, whoever the voice actor was for Gambit, like, they hit it right on the nail. And, yes. you know, with his, you know, with his mannerisms and stuff like that. So it is very very interesting to see and i know i know we will see that in the continuation series that comes out next year so eric and julia i consider this a pleasure as always oh thank you this was fun <laughs> as it as it always is so and yes i have not forgotten i will send you the the iceman pictures that i taken like a few weeks back please do so, please do yeah. We'll definitely do that. And um, hopefully we have you back on the show to talk about some of your other works, like Chippendale, Tailspin, and stuff like that, and how you got started, and who the concept of Skeleton Warriors and Mummies Alive and stuff like that. So uh, cannot wait to hear from you guys again. Do you have any parting words for the listeners out there? Uh, hey, please follow us. On uh, We are X-Men TAS. That's for X-Men, the animated series. We are X-Men TAS. We have a blog on the web. I am on way too much on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but it's just us trying to spread the love. You know, I don't know if anyone can be more excited than we are that X-Men 97 is actually a thing and that it's happening. Um, this is, it, it, it's, it, it's a testament to the fans' uh, devotion and uh, support for a show that uh, is 30 years old now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, and and we are we're, we're I'm honored to be a part of that. Just honored to be a part of that. And I'm honored just to know you guys. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys was able to come by, and because I, I know we've been kind of like hitting and missing each other. And I'm like, man, the minute this was announced, the minute X Men '97 was announced, I'm like, oh, they're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong in a good way. Yeah. And, and after, after it comes out next year, we'll have to we'll have to have a talk and and see what what all of you all think about it. There you go. Of course. Yeah, we definitely have to do that. And it's so funny uh, that 
the last time we did a show uh together i said you know what i can see in the future you guys probably working on another x-men series at some point those i think those were my parting words last time we were talking and when i saw that i kind of like pointed at the screen i was in the room by myself i got like pointed at the screen i like jumping up and down i was like oh my gosh this is happening and and uh soon i emailed you guys you're like yeah we yeah we're going to be busy <laughs> so, how, about you, how about you put out in the universe that a that a truck with 10 million dollars backs up into our driveway I wouldn't mind if that happened. <laughs> long as I get a percentage. Long as okay. I get a percentage. Okay. Hey, you make that happen. We'll make that happen. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and uh, you guys have a wonderful day, and uh, hopefully to hear from you guys more after uh, San Diego Comic Con, because there may be, maybe, maybe not some some announcement for San Diego Comic Con. So y'all might want to be on the lookout for that. Okay. Just to be on, I just here we are. I'm going to say this. It is on the official schedule for San Diego Comic-Con. We're not there, but on Friday, July 22nd at 1145 to 115 in Ballroom 20, Marvel Studios head of streaming, television, and animation, Brad Winterbaum, head of visual development, Ryan Mindering, and special guests will dive into all things animation with exclusive looks at X-Men 97, Marvel Zombies, and What If. So yeah, something's happening. Something ha something's happening. Ooh. All right. All right. Yep. So all right, guys. We'll see y'all later on tonight because we got one more show tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time talking about the pro wrestling goat. Who is the pro wrestling greatest of all time? And that's gonna be a very interesting conversation. So all right. I'm not I'm not sure you guys are pro wrestling fans or not, but uh big fans, but we are busy. So <laughs> Yeah, Get ready yeah. for San Diego. So you guys have fun tonight. All right. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye.